Well, I've entitled the message this morning, Overcoming Anxiety. Anybody ever deal with anxiety? See, anxiety is this uh, feeling of inner turmoil or uneasiness that you get when uh, uh, you're afraid or you're worrying when you, when you don't know what's going to happen. And a couple of weeks ago, you guys remember I did a message on being salt and light in the world. It's what we're supposed to be doing in the world. And I said, the reason it's so important is because the world is getting darker and darker every day. The thing is, though, when you look around at this world, it's easy to get anxious about how things are going. You know, we look at the United States, who's traditionally been a very uh, strong country in regards to freedom, in regards to uh, freedom of religion. It's been a very strong Christian country. Um, we've had very strong morals, um, not only individually, but as a country, and that just seems to be falling apart. And, and that's enough to make you, make you anxious, because you wonder, how are things going to be in 20 years? For being honest, sometimes I wonder, how are things going to be tomorrow? the way things are changing so fast. You know, when we look at the, the political landscape and the, the moral fabric that makes up our society and the, the prevalence of certain non-biblical and non-godly views, I knew it was coming. I didn't think it was coming this fast. And it seems like in just the last few years, less than 10 years, it's just been incredible how fast things are changing. And... Uh, that's, that's enough to give you a little anxiety. And it's not just the big things like this too, right? There's, there's a lot of little things we have anxiety in our life as well, like just the normal day-to-day stuff that you go through. Plenty of opportunities for that to sneak in. I know in my life, as I look back, there have been plenty of times that uh, uh, I got home and no one was home and, and I expected my kids to be there, I expected my wife to be there and, and I haven't heard from them and you know, you start to, easy for your mind to start wondering what happened, they get an accident on the way home, did something happen and you know, you just, all this stuff starts going through your head, it's really easy to let that fear grip you. It actually happens more often. Actually, just recently, it happened with Michelle that uh, I ended up having to call her work because she got stuck in a very long case. And normally, she's really good about letting me know if she's going to be in the case. But I expected her home by this point, it was like four or five hours ago, and I saw it and heard. And I finally called the hospital. I'm like, I just want to make sure she's in a case. Like, is she still there? <laughs> and uh, I actually did that because. Normally, I can push that stuff back down, but after a while, it's, you know, it, it's just good to have that peace of mind, but there's all kinds of areas in your life where anxiety and fear can try to sneak in. And fear and anxiety can range from simple worrying, like we were just talking about there, and all the way up to, to severe phobias. Now, today, I'm not going to focus too much on phobias, I'm going to focus more on the, the day-to-day stress, day-to-day anxiety that actually we get wrapped up in. And, and uh, I, I think that's important because fear, like phobia, strong phobias against something, can really trip you up in a specific area of your life. But general anxiety is something that beats you up in every area of your life. And I think it would be good to, to look what the Word of God says about it and get some freedom from those kinds of things in our life. But the truth is, the answer to both anxiety, simple anxiety, and crippling phobias is the same. It's putting your trust in God. Amen? So, I don't know if you guys know this, but chronic worrying affects your daily life 
so much that it can impact your appetite, it can impact your lifestyle habits, it can impact your relationships, it can impact your sleep. For me, it tends to impact my uh, willpower if I'm not careful. You know, something gets too stressful, my, uh, my willpower with food seems to slip away. And next thing you know, I end up using food as a, as, as, as a distraction. It's not even a comfort. <laughs> it's just a distraction, I think. <laughs> there are some people that get so stressed out and anxiety-riven, too, that they, they seek relief in, in severely harmful aspects of their life as well. Right, harmful lifestyles like, uh, uh, well, one I just mentioned, you know, and some people take it much farther, but uh, uh, there's a lot of eating disorders that are caused by worrying, and not just overeating, but also undereating. Um, there's uh, cigarette smoking is quite often driven by stress and anxiety. Using alcohol and drugs, people often use that to cope with stuff that's going on in their life. The truth is, is that anxiety can impact your life and incredibly negative ways if you're not if you don't deal with it if you don't have some sort of release if you're not able to overcome it i've had some people in my life tell me that that uh when i tell them hey you just gotta trust god they just say oh well i'm a realist they tell me and and that that's why they get stressed out so easily you know their 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 faith is little and their trust is unseen I had a guy that I worked with. Um, he knew I was a Christian. This was when I, uh, uh, probably a decade ago at this point. And uh, but he uh, he was telling me about this little old lady that he knew, and she never got stressed out about everything. She always had her trust in God, no matter what was going on around her. He said, "You know, she's like, hey, I trust God. It's going to be fine." And it was funny because he was torn with this. On one hand, he thought she was crazy. On the other hand. He wanted that same level of, of uh, confidence and comfort. But he wouldn't do it because he thought she was crazy, but he still desired what she had. The reality is, is that there's peace in trusting God regardless of your circumstances. When you know that God is for you in all things, there's no reason to be anxious. There's no reason to be afraid because he is our rock and he is our solid foundation for everything that we do in our life. And here's the thing, having a solid foundation is so important to how we live our lives. Now, I ended up getting in a, a speeding ticket. I don't know if it was a speeding ticket or if it was the red light. Uh, remember when I had all the red light cameras in? I got hit by one and you looked at the camera and I got stuck behind someone coming out and I got flashed by the camera point it was like one-tenth of a second after, you know, when it goes off. Like, it was so, like, I was right there. Like, our mom, I, your human eye wouldn't have been able to perceive the difference. But that's why they have cameras with, you know. Anyway, um, I had to go to traffic school for that. Um, and when you go through traffic school, um, one of the things that, I, actually it wasn't that, because I did that one online. It must have been before that. But one of the things that they asked us is if you are uh, in the defensive driving part, <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few tickets. I am I am old, so but only I think I've had I've had three that I can remember. What's that? That's why you drive slow now. Yeah, they all make fun of me now because I drive the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, I wasn't always a pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, you guys are distracting me. Let's get back to what I was talking about. In this defensive driving class, they asked us, if you look up and you're stopped at a stop sign, you look up and you see a car barreling in towards you, and they're not going, you don't think they're going to stop, what should you do? And most of us said that you should let your foot off the brake. And so that way that, you know, you can get pushed forward and the impact isn't as much. And it turns out that's completely the wrong answer. What you should do is put your, heart as, your foot as hard as you can on the brake so that your car has a solid foundation for when it's hit. It's going to cause less damage to your vehicle and you're not going to get the same kind of whiplash that you would get if you didn't have your, hands on the, or your foot on the brake. Turns out you need that foundation, that, that solidness underneath you. <coughs> And that's true for our lives as Christians as well. If you don't have that solid foundation, God is your solid rock beneath your feet, you're going to wind up getting spiritual whiplash. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's get started. Matthew uh, 13, 20 through 23. And it says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, immediately he falls away. And verse 22, it says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, and he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. This is a parable you guys are probably all familiar with. It's the parable of the sower. And uh, uh, the one that we're talking about here, the first one that it talks about, is the, the one who has a seed fall on the rocky ground, the rocky soil. And he's the, the one that hears the word, but he doesn't understand it. And that's the one that's not listed here. And then the other two uh, that, are, that we did just read about is the one where the word is stolen by the enemy. And then finally, the last one is the one that was choked out by the cares of the world. And then the final one, as we all know, is the one who hears it, understands it, and bears much fruit. But here's the thing. You remember the one we just read in verse 22. It says, what was sown among the thorns is the one who hears the world, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. You see, the problem is, is that we can get so caught up in what's going on in the world, letting it stress us, letting it uh, have us, give us cause for concern, causing us to be afraid, and it will steal the word from our heart. It'll begin to steal our joy if we're not careful. And you say, well, that's not, that's not me, Pastor. That's obviously talking about somebody else. But no, this is, this is the one who hears the word. This is, talk, I believe, talking about Christians. They hear the word. They're, they're all for it. I mean, really, all of these, except for the first one, I think, is dealing with Christians. They're hearing the word, and it's, it's stolen away. Or they're, they're hearing the word, and it's being drowned out by what's going on. Or it's finding rocky soil. It's, it's not talking about unbelievers. It's talking about people who hear the word. They like the word. They, they receive the word. But the problem is they let all this other stuff in the world get in the way. 
and we get stressed by what's going on and we begin focused on what's going on. And like I said, I mean, you can be focused on the economy. Is it going to mess up? Or, or are you focused on, on, on your job? Like what's going to happen there? Are you focused on, on gas prices? Are you focused all of these things? It can give us fear and anxiety. If we focus on that, we can have our joy stolen away. And, and, and you say, well, how is that? What do you mean? It's talking about the word here. Well, the problem is when we focus on all that stuff, we tend to be ignoring the word. Because if we weren't ignoring the word, we would be this one. We'd be bearing fruit. We wouldn't have anxiety. We wouldn't have fear. Placing your focus on all of these things causes you to remove your focus from God. You start putting your faith in doctors instead of the healer. You start putting your faith in others instead of the one who created you and knows you better than anyone else. And how many people do you know who put their faith and inanimate objects. Anybody know anybody? Or maybe yourself do, and you should reconsider. Have a lucky item, a lucky shirt, lucky socks, lucky coin, lucky whatever. I had a pastor that I grew up under, and he says something I say all the time now too. He says, if you believe in luck, you need it. Lieutenant George Dixon was a genteel, well-respected man in the Confederate Army. In the early days of the war, his fiance gave him a $20 gold piece during the Battle of Shiloh where a Union mini-ball struck him. But actually, it struck the gold coin, which saved his life. The coin, soundly dented, was to remain with him wherever he went. It became his good luck piece. And he would often be seen needing the coin in his hand. And where did Lieutenant Dixon take the coin? Onto the CSS Hunley, the Confederate submarine he staunchly believed could break the Union blockade. And after sinking the USS uh, Housatonic, the Hunley herself sank, taking Lieutenant Dixon and his crew to their deaths. Ultimately, his golden good luck piece could not save him. And they actually recently found the coin when the submarine was raised. See, the problem is, is that man often seeks many forms of security. So Lieutenant Dixon, he was looking for protection in this inanimate object. But there's only one source of life and one source of security, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? And the reality is, is that fear and stress and worry and anxiety, they're all going to have a negative effect, not only on your physical life, but in your spiritual life as well. Amen? Luke 10, 38-42, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distressed with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. All those things that make us anxious, or they cause us to fear, those things that make us worry, ultimately they're just distractions. They place our focus in a place other than where it should be, namely on Jesus Christ. And when we try to focus and worry on everything all at once, we're overwhelmed or we essentially become paralyzed. We see the story of, 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 of Martha here. She says she was distracted by all the serving and she was missing out on the good part. 
And she got upset. She went and talked to Jesus about it. She said, why don't you do something about this? But when we, when we let this stuff get in our lives, it, it begins to change how we think, how we act, and ultimately it can even paralyze us. In a day when, uh, this is from uh, uh, John Maxwell, this is in a day when so many things and people vie for our attention, we can experience a paralysis of personal energy. John Maxwell explains his frozen feeling that it can easily overwhelm us. William H. Hinchin tells us that when animal trainers carry a stool, when they go into a cage of lions, they have their whips, of course, and their pistols are at their sides, but invariably they also carry a stool. Henson says it is the most important tool of the trainer. He holds the stool by the back and thrusts the legs towards the face of the wild animal. Those who know maintain that the animal tries to focus on all four legs at once. In the attempt to focus on all four, a kind of paralysis overwhelms the animal and it becomes weak. It becomes tame, weak, and disabled because its attention is fragmented. You know, the same thing happens to us when we're focused on all these different things in the world. We become tame, weak, and disabled. Often, when we're distracted by things that makes us anxious, our first question is just like Martha's. Where are you at, Jesus? Can't you see all that's going on in my life? Don't you see what I'm facing? Can't you tell what's happening in the economy? Can't you see what's happening to the U.S. and our government right now? Can't you see how we're all divided and distracted? Jesus, don't you see all of this stuff? Can't you see what I'm going through? But notice that when, when, when Martha's saying, Jesus, don't you see what I'm going through? He says, listen, Mary has chosen the good part. She's chosen the good portion. And that's to spend time with Jesus. And you'll notice that by saying this, that she has chosen the good portion, the implication is that Martha's going through all the same things. Jesus even tells her, he says, he says, you're anxious and troubled about many things. The implication, there's more than just the serving that's going on. She's distracted by a lot. Even in her service of Jesus, she's distracted by all these things and has skipped out on the good portion. She had the same choice as Mary, but she chose the distractions where Mary chose the good portion. Jesus said that's not going to be taken away from her. I want you to know that no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you're facing, no matter how bad it seems, if you will choose the good portion, that will never be taken away from you. No matter how bad it seems, Jesus can't be stolen away from you. His love and his comfort cannot be stolen away from you. It cannot be separated from you. Amen? Matthew 6, 25-27 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, or look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and let, let, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. How many know that's a pretty inclusive statement? Well, Pastor Wayne, can I be anxious about this? Well, is it in your life? Yes? No, you can't be anxious about it. 
But what about this other thing? Is it in your life? Yes? Well, no, then don't be anxious about it. Don't be anxious about your life, which is all-inclusive of everything that you're dealing with. Now, this doesn't mean be lazy or act unwise, right? This doesn't mean like, oh, I don't have to worry about anything. Well, I guess I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch TV all day long because God will provide. Now, if you don't get up that couch and, and get a job, you're going to find out that you don't have a couch anymore. <laughs> Paul said when he was talking to him, he said, listen, if they don't work, they don't eat. God taking care of us does not mean that we have a license to do nothing. It means that God will bless what you put your hands to. That means we still have to work. We still have to provide. We still have to be a part of this world. But as we do, we live our lives in a godly fashion. And as we work, as we rest, as we uh, relate with others, we need to make sure that we're not being anxious about any of these things, but instead putting our trust in God. And Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. How many know that the birds of the air aren't created in God's image? But you are. In God's eyes, they are far below us. We have so much greater value than these birds of the air. Now, there are some people that think that animals have equal value to humans. They do not. Humans are much more valuable than animals. I mean, and if you say, well, Pastor Wayne, that's pretty presumptuous of us. Well, Jesus told me that. He says... Your heavenly Father feeds them, but are you not of more value than yea? Than the yea. Than they? <laughs> yay, we are. We should be happy. That's what happens when you're thinking ahead. Because the, the implied answer to that is yes. When you mix yes and they, you get yay. Anyway, the implied, are you not of more value than they? The implied answer is yes, you are. We are more valuable than birds and any animal that's lived. They were put there to, to serve us. We were to have dominion over them. We have more value than them, yet they're still taken care of by God. And if that's the case, and we observe that they're fed by God, if they're taken care of, and they're not even made in the image of God, they're less valuable than us, why are we so concerned if God considers us more value than, than them? Will not God care for his children much more than he would care for birds? And I think if you genuinely understood your value, then it would be much easier to see this. Some people have no idea how valuable God considered them. But the reality is, is that God considered you so valuable that he sent his only son to give up his life for you. God himself got out of his throne and gave his life for you because you're so valuable. Don't you think he's going to make sure that you're fed? If you have a pet dog or children, if you have them both, no matter how much you love your dog, your children takes priority over your dog. In the same way, we have priority over the birds of the field. Amen? God came and gave his life for us, not for everything else on this planet. In addition, when we think about this stuff, being anxious isn't going to change our situation either. You can't worry yourself into a better position. Some of you know that intrinsically because you've tried. Yet it's never worked 
yet you still try to worry yourselves into a better position. Jesus says, you know what? You're not going to add a single hour to a spend to your life by worrying. In fact, if, you, if you've studied this at all, you might know that it's actually the opposite. Worrying will actually cause health issues and cause you to live less. Worrying has no benefit in your life. He says, listen, by being anxious, what's it going to help? Nothing. So you might as well not be anxious. I remember when I first started preaching. Did you guys know that um, public speaking is uh, the number one fear that people have? It's actually even higher on the list than being burned alive. Most people would rather be burned alive than get up and speak in public. Statistically. (laughs) That's true. That's insane. (laughs) But I know for me, when I started preaching, I would get that same anxiety when it was time to get up and speak. And, uh, but what I would tell myself, because here's the deal. I was going to go up and speak whether I was worried about it or not. So the, the phrase that I always tell myself whenever I get worried or when I get nervous or I get anxious about doing something, and, and I don't know if this will help you, but it's just what I, I tell myself, is I say, there's nothing for it. I started telling me one word, well, there's nothing for it. I'm going to do this thing that has to be done. I can either be freaked out about it, or I cannot be freaked out about it, but ultimately I got to do the thing. So I say there's nothing for it, and I just choose not to be freaked out about it. I just do it, because I don't have an option. It has to be done. When I used to preach, when it was my turn to preach, like the, I didn't have an option. I had to get up there and preach, so I could either freak out, or I could push that down and just get out there and do what I, what I had to do. Because there was, there was nothing, nothing that I could change by being worried. I was going up either way, so I pushed it down. Jesus continues on, though, when he's talking about the, the food, and now he starts talking about clothing. Notice that Jesus is talking about those basic things that are so important in our life. The basic necessities. Verse 28 through 30 in Matthew chapter 6, it says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Like I said, Jesus dealt with food when he was talking about the birds. Now he's talking about clothing. These are major concerns in our life, right? Food, clothing are probably the top two. Shelter probably being the next in line. You need to make sure that you're taken care of. But um, these, are, these are major concerns in our life. And Jesus says, look, at, the, at, the, at the, the lilies of the field, they don't work. Matter of fact, there's even an implication here that they're, they're of lesser value of even the birds. Like so this and all these things are good for is to look pretty and then they get, they get uh, thrown into the oven. They get thrown in the fire. They have no purpose, no value. And he says, listen, if they are clothed with splendor that's even greater than Solomon's, don't you think God's going to take care of you? You know, most of our anxiety has to do with us thinking that we're not going to have the things that we need, whether that's safety, love, shelter. But all of these things God will provide. And I'm not saying that this is saying that uh, God's going to make sure that you're rich. You probably won't be rich because it would kill most of you to be rich. 
That's why lottery winners have such issues because all of a sudden they have all the money they, they want, but they have no discipline. They have no strong moral framework. They have, they have all kinds of weaknesses in their life. And instead of it being a blessing, it ends up being a curse because now they can afford all the terrible things that they've always wanted to do. But it does mean that God is going to take care of you. No matter what happens, God will take care of you. If these are flowers are taken care of, how much more so will we be? They're insignificant. They grow and die. They have no fellowship with God. They serve no purpose to man. They live, then they are burned to get them out of the way. But God still takes care of them. How much more so will he take care of you? But then there's a real kicker at the end. This is the one that should really get you. Oh, you of little faith. What he's saying is that if you're worried about all this stuff, are you going to have enough to eat? Are you going to have enough to wear? Are you going to be taken care of? It's actually a demonstration of your lack of faith. You know, that's one of the things that we need to understand that, that faith and unbelief and really fear is an extension of that. They're, they're opposites. You can't have both. It's a one or the other thing. So when you are living in fear, you're demonstrating a lack of faith. And when you're demonstrating faith, you're demonstrating a lack of fear. So keep that in mind when you start to stress and worry about those things. You say, you know what? I recognize this anxiety in myself. I recognize this fear, the stress. But I'm going to make a conscious decision to trust the Lord even in the midst of it. Because that's what faith looks like. Amen? He continues on in verse 31 with this, this analogy being taken care of. He says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Isn't it good to know that God knows what you need? In verse 33 it continues, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day as its own trouble. Think how hard it would be for you to have, for those of you that have children, for your child to always be in fear of not getting food or shelter from you, which you have always provided without fail. Can you imagine that? You've taken care of your kids, but every day they're terrified that you're going to leave them. Every day they're terrified that you're not going to feed them. They're terrified that you're not going to give them clothing or shelter or love, or protection. How would you feel if that's how your kids behaved? Did you ever stop to think that that's what we do to God when we act in that same way? Can you imagine the hurt that you would feel if they always expressed to you that they were, that, that they were afraid that you wouldn't take care of them? This is exactly what we do when we're not trusting God. Jesus says, don't be anxious. He 
says, therefore, do not be angry. Do you know that this isn't just a good suggestion? This is a command? This isn't just a good idea. He's telling us, don't be anxious for these things. This, this is an instruction, a command. Don't be, listen, the Gentiles seek after all these things because they don't know where it comes from. But you know where it comes from. Your Heavenly Father knows which, that you need them all. He's going to take care of you. The Gentiles, they don't have the same security that you do. So maybe it's understandable that they worry about it. But you are in a different place. You're part of a different family. You have a different father. One who knows that you need these things. And he's going to take care of you. So instead, seek first the kingdom of his righteousness. Did you know if you'll put God first, everything else will just fall in line? And to some people, particularly maybe young Christians or people that are immature in their faith, or even people that aren't believers that that might be hearing this message, they're going, that just seems like a lot of hogwash. It's nonsense. There's no way that that could be true. But if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that there's nothing further. There's nothing that's not truthful about this. I've had this live out in my life for, for 20 years now. The, the, the reality is, is that this is a fundamental truth of Christianity. When I've put him first, he's always taken care of me. Does it mean I've not faced hard times? No. Does it mean I've, I've not faced struggles? No. Does it mean that I've not had periods where things were better or worse than others? No, that the, those things are still all true. But God never left me or forsake me, and I've, I've obviously never not went without food. I've obviously had clothing and shelter. God has always taken care of me, through all of these things. Ups and downs. There's a fundamental truth in this. That if you seek His kingdom, He will take care of you. Amen? This is what David wrote. And I think we should imitate him in Psalm 34. 4. It says, I sought the Lord and He answered me and He delivered me from all my fears. Listen. If you're struggling in one of these areas, just go to God with it. Say, God, I'm struggling. I'm worrying about this. I know I shouldn't be. I know that you're more than enough. I know that you're big enough. Help me to trust you. Help my unbelief. Forgive me for not having faith and help me to trust you. Seek the Lord and he will deliver you from your fears. Amen. Because here's the thing. 2 Timothy 1.7, very famous verse. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Anxiety just stems from our fear of something happening. And fear is simply just not trusting God. We talked about that a few moments ago, right? Faith and fear are in opposition to one another. So fear is not something that God gives us. It's not an emotion uh, that, that stems from who he is. And instead, God has given us a spirit of power. And if you're worried about this word spirit, what does that mean? Uh, Another translation could be just an attitude. God has given us an attitude of power, love, and self-control. And a spirit of love, in 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. But it says here that we have been given a spirit or an attitude of love, and that casts out all fears. When you recognize how much God loves you, it's hard to be afraid that he's not going to take care of you. 
We also have a spirit of self-control or sound mind or an attitude of self-control. That means that we have the ability to control our fears, to actually make a stand against him. We can choose to put our focus back on God instead of keeping them on our fears. Put our focus and our eyes back on God and away from those things that scare us. And as a result, we're going to have peace. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey God. When those thoughts get in, grab a hold of them and begin thinking something else. Did you know that uh, it's actually impossible for humans to truly multitask? You know, a lot of jokes are made about how women are multitaskers and guys just focus on one thing. But the reality is, is that no human can can honestly multitask. Some people are good at switching between tasks very quickly, but you can't think of two things at the exact same time. So my recommendation, when that fear starts creeping in, I said you got to take your eyes off the fear and put it on God. Just begin to worship God. Begin to pray. Put your fo- make a conscious decision to put your focus back on the Lord. Or get your Bible out and start reading your Bible. And then I would, I would recommend reading it out loud because what happens is when you read in your mind, you'll be reading. I don't know if you've ever been reading something and then you, you, you read a whole page and you realize I have no idea what the page said. I've been thinking about something. But when you read out loud, that doesn't happen. Put your focus back on God. And then in Philippians 4, 7 says this, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You said, Pastor, when that doesn't make any sense, how is focusing on God? going to make it any better well let me tell you god's peace surpasses all understanding we may not quite get it but i know it works and i know he is faithful and the result of all three of these power love and self-control the result of these three things is the banishment of fear with power Things you thought were more powerful than you are brought into scale. With love, fear is cast out. And with a sound or disciplined mind, we can take every thought captive and put our eyes back on Christ. Amen? In 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. If we recognize that fear isn't from God, what do we do with it? Well, we give it to him. We cast our anxieties on him. Something in your life you're concerned about, instead of worrying about it, just give it to God. Say, thank you, God. I trust you for taking care of this situation. I know that you're bigger than it. I'm going to put my faith in you. If we'll humble ourselves and exalt God, he will exalt us. What does that mean to humble yourself before God? It means to recognize that without him, you can do anything. So when you humble yourself before him, you're saying, God, I can't do it without you. Please step in. I need you. When you do that, then he exalts you and lifts you up. Your strength comes through him. Turns out that loads are easy to carry with the help of another. And in this case, your entire load is removed because he carries it all. I once knew somebody who had somebody spoke a prophetic word over her, and, and uh, they were saying, you know what, when I, when I look at you, God keeps giving me this image that 
you're walking along down the road and this person with a cart and you're carrying two very heavy bags and this person with a cart comes up and says, hey, can I give you a ride? And you're like, oh, that'd be great, perfect. But then you climb into the cart, but you don't put your bags down. You just continue to carry them as you're getting a ride in the cart. See, so many people are so focused on holding on, even when they have a way out, even when they have freedom, even when it says, listen, cast your anxieties on him. We go, you know what, I, I, I kind of believe you, but I think I'm going to hold on to him. Another analogy that I heard was the person that uh, would, would uh, come home and, and when he got to his house, he had a tree outside and he would hang his anxieties on the tree outside and he would go inside and everything would be fine for a little bit. But when he got up to leave, when he walked back outside, he picked all of anxieties back up so he could carry them with him again. Don't just give this stuff away for a season either. Make sure that when you give it to God, you give it to God. Because he'll let you pick it back up. He's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. So instead, give it to him and just trust him. Remind yourselves of these scripture. God loves you and cares for you. He wants to ease your burden. burden. So re- remember these scriptures and, and, and pray them. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. When I read this, I imagine this, this imposing force coming down to, to, to attack me or to push on me or to press me. Uh, it's like a, a, an opposing force coming against an, an army with, the, with the, the goal of pushing the army back. Or if it's coming on me, it's this opposing force coming on me with the goal of pushing me back. But it says that God won't let you be moved if you'll cast your burdens on him. So no matter how big this force is, it can't push you away if you'll trust God. Amen? Because he'll take care of it. Isaiah 12.2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. There are so many scriptures that you can find that demonstrates this idea of putting your trust in God and having your fears being cast aside. Here's one of them. He says, look, I will trust, and I will not be afraid. Because when you trust, you have no reason to be afraid. Psalm 56, 3 through 4 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Psalm 118, 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me and it's easy to put your trust in god because he is trustworthy he's a god who will do what he says he's going to do isaiah 55 11 says so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which i purpose and so shall succeed in the thing for which i sent it if you guys never heard this verse before now you know the one of the secrets of how i pray even how I started the prayer and this message, and I, and I do it almost every time that we pray when we're getting ready to, 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 to study God's word, is I pray that, Lord, that your word would accomplish inside of us what you intended to accomplish. I'm not clever. I didn't make that up. I just stole it from Scripture. That's how you should pray. Just pray the Scripture. That's what it says here. He says, It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose. So I just pray that. I want God's word to be accomplished Whatever he purposes it in my life, in my life. 
Matter of fact, if you guys want to know the, the, the secret to effective and biblical and godly prayer, it's just pray the scriptures. It's already written out. If you're praying what the word says, you know that you're praying according to the will of God. Amen. And uh, you're good to go. So just pray God's word. Jeremiah 1.12 says, And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Isn't it good news that when we read God's word that we can know that, that one, that when he sends his word out, it accomplishes what he wants it to accomplish. And then also it says that he is watching over his word, ready to perform it. You probably heard me pray that when I'm praying for people with healing. Once again, not clever, didn't make it up. I just like to pray the scripture. <laughs> Amen. But one of these things that we see, the key things we've seen in these scriptures we've just gone over is that you trust God and do not fear. But the opposite is true. If you fear, you're not trusting God. Amen? And the key thing to remember, if God is for us, who can be against us? Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. First step to dealing with fear, <laughs> or one of the steps, is rejoicing in the Lord always. No matter the situation, no matter what's going on, rejoice in the Lord. Fear has a hard time sticking around when you're rejoicing. Amen? How many of you have, have felt any bouts of fear try to sneak into you when we're in the middle of worship on a Sunday morning? Not nah, because you're rejoicing in the Lord, you're worshiping the Lord. Then it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And this seems kind of strange to me, this idea of letting your reasonableness be known to everyone. And really, I guess this doesn't sound strange to me. I think it's a strange one to the world. Because keeping your calm when the world thinks that you should run doesn't seem reasonable to them. It's reasonable to us, but it doesn't seem reasonable to them. But he said, listen, let your reasonableness be known to man. Let him, let him see that you trust God. It shows strength to be collected and calm when others think you should be in the fetal position. Amen? And it's, we're not to ignore our situations either. It says don't be anxious about anything, right? So that's dealing with our fear. But it doesn't say just ignore them. It says, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We don't ignore the stuff that we're dealing with. We don't ignore what's going on. It's not, it's, it's not some sort of, uh, uh, you know, like a kid when they, they close my eyes so the other person must have disappeared. Right? This isn't some game of holy peekaboo with our worries and our fears. It's not an ignored and go away type of thing. We just don't allow it to cause us fear and anxiety. We choose not to be anxious. And if there is a problem, we let, our, we let God know about it with our request. But we do it with thanksgiving. And this is a different way that, than a lot of people pray, I think. A lot of people come to God begging for stuff or bargaining with God to get stuff. When instead, we should just make our requests known with thanksgiving. Let me give you an example. If you don't have a job, 
This would be an example of, of a of prayer with thanksgiving. Father, thank you that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you that you will always ensure that I'm fed, clothed, and sheltered regardless of the circumstances. Thank you that I will find a job that will allow me to take care of my family, but regardless, I trust in you. We just begin to thank God to give you the things that will deal with those fears, but we're not afraid of the things. Our trust is just in God to take care of them. Amen? But that's a different way to pray. Instead of going, God, if, you, if you'll just give me this job, then I promise I'll come to church every Sunday and I'll pray every day. You begin to bargain. Or bargain you're probably never going to keep. Or you just begin begging, please God, please God, just do this. Instead, just thank him and trust him. Amen? And the reality is, is that peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, which we talked about, comes to those who trust in the Lord. It's that peace that doesn't make sense. The world will look at you and think that you're crazy to be calm and collected when you are. But you know in whom you've trusted. Amen. Daniel 10.19 says, And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. I want to talk about other things that we can do to, to deal with fear in our life. And the first thing is, is to, to be strengthened in the Lord when we're going through these things. Proverbs 12.25 says this, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. You see, in the case of Daniel here, this is an angel standing with him telling him to be encouraged, right? He's in the middle of the, the pit of lions. And he's, he said, uh, you know, be strong and be of good courage. Daniel went through some stuff as he lived his life, dealing with Nebuchadnezzar and, and the king and all those stuff going on. But the, the angel said, listen, be strong and of good courage. He was encouraged by the Lord, by an angel. And we just talked about in Proverbs 12, 25, it says a good word makes him glad when a man is, is, is anxious. The, the reality is, is that we can help people through these areas as well, encourage them. If we see somebody else afraid, come alongside them. Remind them of the scriptures that we looked at today. Remind them that God is good and will look after them. Remind them that everything may very well fail them, but God never will. Let's encourage one another. Amen. And we'll end right here. Daniel 10, uh, Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witness. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. When you're dealing with fear, remember this. There is none like our God. He is our rock. He is our shelter. He is our strong tower. He is our Lord, our King, and our Father and friend. Our trust is in the one who can do anything, one who has no equal, and one who loves and values you. If he says to us, fear not, let's not be afraid, amen?